Hello, and this is the I Think We Got Lost mini podcast. If you've just come from the wonderful worlds of Disney Cast first episode, then welcome back. And if you've not listened to it, I recommend that you do, because this may not make much sense otherwise. So this is essentially a bit of a free talk after the episode. Um, you'll probably instantly tell that this is a little bit more casual. <laughs> Uh, the other one had to be quite scripted because there is a lot of information to get through and I really didn't want to mess up the facts. Um, the other thing worth mentioning is yes, I have a little bit of trouble with speaking sometimes. It's a little bit of a lisp happening and I also speak quite quickly and I also have this accent which makes things a bit difficult. Um, so the first episode has just finished being recorded. Um, I've just listened to the final version and I'm not touching it again because as far as I'm concerned it's done. Um, for this first episode I just recorded on my laptop, um, but I have got a better mic on the way, so hopefully episode 2 might be a little bit clearer in quality. So, the first episode was on the dramas that surrounded Disneyland's opening day. Um, this is a topic that I got into last year when I was doing a 8,000 word research essay on the first five years of Disneyland. Um, it was more focused on its connection to the uh, social and cultural climate of America in the 1950s. So I, was, I read a lot about this but wasn't able to actually put it into my essay very much. So this was really kind of a cathartic experience for me being able to research it a bit more and then actually write, up, write it up. Um, the next two episodes in a series of three on the opening of Disneyland. The next one will be on the Dateline Disney broadcast, which was part of the whole festivities of the opening day. Um, and the, thir the third part will be on the opening day attractions and the events and things that happened on the day that weren't connected to the drama and weren't connected to the broadcast. So I guess this will be a good opportunity to tell you guys a little bit more about myself. Um, so my name is Danielle. Um, I grew up in Australia and New Zealand, hence the accent. Um, and I recently moved to Canada. In fact, I recently moved from Ottawa to Kingston in Canada. And I'm just sort of settling at the moment. Um, so I am a big history nerd. Um, and I did my undergrad in cultural anthropology and classics, uh, my honours in museum studies, and I'll be doing a master's in museum studies when I can draw up the energy enthusiasm to go back and do that in a couple of years. Uh, so I, what brought me to do this podcast is uh, during the beginning of the year when I was feeling really stressed about the move and having trouble finding a job, I did what I always do when I'm feeling really stressed and I planned a holiday. And in this case it was a holiday to Disney World. Um, so I've been to Disney, uh, Disneyland Paris in the mid-2000s and about a decade ago I went to Disney World for the first time but it was just a really quick trip with some friends so I couldn't really appreciate it fully. So what I want to do is you know really go and take my time and enjoy it. So I'll be going for a week in September um, staying at uh, Pop Century and I just really want to enjoy the trip relax and take it all in. And something I like doing when I travel is doing a lot of research on the place I'm going. So learning more about its history and the fun little bits and pieces to look out for. And 
I also, while I love researching, I really love being able to share the research that I do. So previous to this, um, I started and I'm still running a blog called Steve Rogers New York, which is looking at um, New York and Brooklyn in the interwar period of the 1920s, 30s and 40s, which is a period when Steve Rogers, who was Captain America, would have been living there. So it's sort of a Captain America fan blog based in history. It's always really hard to explain to people. But um, I wanted to do something similar to that with this, but I've always wanted to do a podcast, so it seemed like a really good opportunity to delve into podcasting. So I guess I should talk more about the episode that I just recorded. So, like I said, I'd learnt a lot of this last year, um, but I really didn't have the time to look into it properly because I couldn't really trans translate it into the essay I was supposed to be writing. Um, so it was really interesting going and re-researching this, finding all my old material and then filling in the gaps. And there was a lot of stuff that I hadn't come across the first time, that I, I've come across this time, so it was really a lot of fun. Um, I'd known that there was the, the partial sinking of the Mark Twain, but I'd never really heard the story behind it, so when I did the research this time I came across this amazing story um, recorded in, I can't remember what book it is, but I'll put it in the, um, the references on the Tumblr. Um, but it was really great sort of telling exactly what happened and it's really one of my favourite stories I've come across so far. Um, but I really wanted to try and paint a bit of a picture of what was happening before the park opened and then what was happening while it was um, during the opening day. So it was really, it sounded like it was a huge, huge rush to get everything done and they didn't quite get there. I couldn't find it this time, but I did, when I was previously researching this, I saw some images of the, I think it's the pirate ship, um, in its painted state. So the opening day, it was rea really a slapdash paint job. Um, it was base colour, a little bit of detail, nothing much, and then they have an image of it a few months later which has all the nice gold paint done and all the little details, so they were really cutting to the wire with, with the opening date. Um, I'll probably go into it ne next episode a little bit more, but the reason that it was so close to the wire is because the date of the opening day had actually been picked about a year, a year ahead of time when they started construction, because they needed to organize the schedule for the broadcast in order to get the broadcast happening. So the opening day really came down to when they could do the broadcast rather than when the construction was actually finished. Um, the Once the park opened I learned a lot more this time about the experience of the customers. It's really hard without very many first-hand accounts, but um, uh, Jonathan Carr's account is amazing and it really made this episode so much easier to do. Because um, he was telling, uh, as you heard, he told amazing stories of just what it was like to be on the ground, what they saw, what they experienced. Um, for me, it brings back this sort of fake nostalgia of really, I really wish I could time travel and go back and see what it was like. Not necessarily just on the opening day, but the the early experience of Disneyland. Um, I'm really nervous. I've never been to Disneyland, and I'm nervous about going because all the things I know about it are from the 1950s, and I know that's kind of what I'm going to expect. And I'm probably going to be disappointed when I get there and find it's not quite like that anymore. Um, my favorite. Thing I would love to have seen would have been 
um, Tomorrowland in sort of the 1950s, 1960s, because there's there's the um, I can't remember what the term is, but sort of the fake retro. Uh, oh, the um, retro futurism—that's the one. Um, the idea of retro futurism, where it was this idea of what the future would be like. And when I was doing the essay, there was a lot of comments on how they really had to constantly update Tomorrowland because time moved much quicker than construction. So by the time they'd install something, within a year or so, it was already obsolete because. It, technology here had already passed that. Um, so I really, it would have been amazing to go back and see some of the original um, Tomorrowland features. Probably a topic for a podcast I'm probably going to do quite soon because it's one I really want to get into is a short episode on the um, the House of the Future, House of Tomorrow. For the moment I can't quite remember what it's called, but it was installed in, I think it was 56? And it was sort of this sample futuristic house with, you know, all these cool features and, and that people imagined that future houses might have. Um, and it was reasonably short-lived for the reasons I just said, which is it was very quickly obsolete. But it's kind of one of those attractions that really caught my fancy and I would have loved to have seen. So I guess I should wrap this up. I'm a little bit of a rambler. This... This mini podcast is kind of just my excuse to talk a little more casually about the things I know, not quite feel as, as constrained by a script, and just share a little bit of what's happening with the podcast, um, what's gone into it, and what I enjoy about it. Oh, before I forget, one thing I almost put into the episode, but I ended up cutting so it didn't quite flow properly, was... Um, it was interesting reading about the staff having to think on their toes because this was just completely beyond anything they could have been prepared for. This was the first park of its type, so there wasn't really an opportunity to pre-train the staff because it was the, they were setting a precedent. There was nothing people didn't know how to train them, um, so the staff were really quite green. So yeah, hearing about all the things they made up on the spot in the in ways to sort of keep the, the crowds calm and happy. It was interesting because it sounds very much like an experience I had um, working as a volunteer. So I, a few years ago, I volunteered for a, a fan convention. I won't say which one, but there was a, a basically a big stuff up um, with the tickets, which meant that a lot of um, the people who were coming hadn't had printed, there was no tickets waiting for them when they got there, which resulted in some huge um, conflict resolution lines. Um, so I was volunteering, it was my first time doing it, and there was only a few people because it was early on in the day. And as the lines got longer and longer, you got angrier and angrier people. And it wasn't the people going to the convention, it was their parents who were getting really angry. So the kids who were going were totally chill, and the parents were just so angry. Um, I was reduced to tears on one occasion by someone getting up in my face and just shouting at me. And it's a really scary experience if you've ever been through it. But you do have to think on your toes because there's no precedent for it a lot of the time. So we, a couple of us who are volunteering, we just sort of 
we we did what we could basically we do things like we'd run it was florida so we'd run water to people in the lines to make sure they were hydrated and they weren't getting too hot um we knew there was a promotional food item that the um, convention had received so we went to find the people in charge and ask what happened to them so we could try and um, give them out to the people in the line again to try and keep them happy and so they weren't getting hungry and then we also had some some cosplayers who were there in themselves as as um, attendees and we asked them you know would you be willing to walk along the line and do selfies with people in the line just to keep sort of spirits up and you kind of you have to make things up as you go along and you have to do what you can to minimize the amount of angst you're receiving and it sounds exactly like what the people at Disneyland were doing they were trying to find things on the fly to distract um, visitors to try and keep them happy to find solutions on the go so yeah, I think I'll wrap this up now before I ramble too much more. Um, if you like this, let me know. Um, if you don't like this, let me know. <laughs> this is all very new to me and I am going to live on your feedback, basically. Um, there are some things I can't do, can't do much about. I can't do much about my accent. I am not someone who can put on accents. I'm really stuck with the one that I have. Um, I... I'm going to try and make it sound a little bit more natural, a little bit less scripted, but I think it's going to take a lot of practice. So hopefully you guys are willing to be patient, I guess. Um, as I said in the episode, if you guys have a little bit of spare change, please, please, please do pop over to the Patreon. Um, I'd like to get better equipment for recording this, and I'd like to get a good quality camera, so once I go on the um, down to Disney World, I can get some footage for you guys, so I can put up reviews, so I can have a little bit of a visual element to some of these things and show people what I'm talking about. Um, and also, this is an extremely time-consuming activity, as I have found out. Um, my blog is pretty time-consuming, but it's mostly research and writing. But the recording element to the podcast is very time-heavy. So I would love your support. If you can't, no pressure. I completely understand. Um, the other thing you can do is I have the Redbubble account. So I do, I have a previous degree in um, computer graphic design and I quite like making little designs to put on Redbubble and I'm doing a whole bunch themed around um, Disney parks. So if you like cool stuff then have a look at that. Um, I think on Redbubble I am WWODC. Um, and yes, so give me feedback on Tumblr, on Twitter, um, I really love to hear from you, and yes, I hope you guys have a wonderful week where you are. Uh, hopefully the next episode will be out in the next few weeks. I'll give you guys some updates on the social medias. Um, yeah, so happy trails, my friends.